Welcome to Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. I'm Christy. And I'm Bill. We're husband and wife. We're also psychotherapists, spiritual directors, and the founders of Soul Shepherding. We're glad you've joined us on Soul Talks as we invite you into our home to share our hearts and our intimacy with Jesus in life, love, and leadership. Today on Soul Talks, we're talking about when it's good to fail. Christy, we were just having a conversation on the kitchen table, and we decided, well, actually, we weren't on the kitchen (laughs) table. We were around the kitchen table, (laughs) sitting there. But we decided, well, let's just push play here and, and continue the conversation here with our listening audience on Soul Talks. So here we are. Here we are with our two cats who are our audience <laughs> in our house here. And the Lord is with us, certainly, and we're glad our listeners are, too. Well, it started because I was confessing to you that as we're starting this podcast for Soul Shepherding of Soul Talks, that I realized that I'm afraid of failing. And you said to me when I confessed that to you, well, Failure is good. (laughs) Well, that wasn't the first thing I said. I think I had a little bit of empathy for you. (laughs) Yeah, you're very good with empathy, and I appreciate that. But I will say I was quite shocked when you said failure is good in all sincerity on your face, and I knew you meant it. And then as as you gave me a moment there of silence to think about it, and I recognized you live that. You have lived that way where you have let failure be an opportunity for you to trust God and his work in forming you in his likeness. Well, before we go there, let's get back to what you were sharing and the feeling about starting this podcast. And it's something that you've dreamed about doing, doing with me. We've both dreamed about this. And so it's exciting, but yet you're afraid that, well, what if it doesn't go well? What if I disappoint people? What if I'm not able to do this? Well, I think that's true that I've had disappoint or fear of disappointing other people, but I'm also fearful of disappointing myself and my dream too, because Mm -hmm. I guess I've experienced failure and disappointment in this dream before, not specifically, you know, doing a podcast with you, but other areas where maybe I thought God was going to use me or people have even told me God would use me in a certain way. And then I've experienced Mm -hmm. disappointment and maybe I felt like, well, I guess I failed or I guess I was foolish to trust or to believe Mm -hmm. or that maybe God would use me. And so I think maybe that's, you know, coming up again for me here as I'm venturing in faith on the Lord, step out in faith and say, okay, you know, I'll offer my gift here. But there's a little bit of fear that it's going to be rejected like it felt like it was rejected years ago. Yes, you're sticking your neck out in Mm -hmm. a big way. Yeah, and And risking. And that risk is vulnerable. Yes. You're putting your heart and your hopes out there, and wow, that's a big deal. It is a big deal, yeah. And so you're feeling from times in the past where you've done this and sometimes it didn't pan out the way you you had hoped it would or people said it might and you were discouraged. Yeah, and I think I felt self-doubt and even maybe doubted, well, maybe I didn't hear God Mm. or maybe I disappointed God, Mm. which would be the biggest fear of all. Yeah. Not that I think that he's going to punish me or, you know, give me some horrible consequence for that. That's not what I mean when I say my biggest fear of all, but just, you know, I love him and I want to be faithful and I participate with him and what he calls me to, but I don't want to be presumptuous. (laughs) And you're giving your, when you give your dream, your gift, 
I mean, that comes from deep inside of you. So that's something like really precious. So yeah. you, you lay it out there and what's going to happen with that? Well, yes. And, and you're bringing a point there where it's something that I've kept secret, really. I mean, it's not something I have made public. Mm-hmm. I've shared it with you. And when we have a dream, you know, I'm just thinking about our listeners out here because we all have dreams. Now, for some of us, they've become pretty dormant. But when you have a dream and it comes from in your heart, it's something that you maybe you fantasize about, you have hopes about, maybe you pray about, and you think, well, someday I'll do this and it'll be so great. Mm. And so it, it like gives you happiness to mm. think about what someday you'll experience or express. But then when the day comes, okay, now I'm going to try. It's like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> because if it doesn't work, not only do you experience the disappointment and the failure, but you lose the dream mm-hmm. and all the, the fun mm-hmm. and excitement and hope that that's been holding for you. Yes. So this is what we're doing. <laughs> Here we are. I'm glad we're in it together. Thank you. <laughs> well, because I have similar feelings. And you know, when I said to you, well, failure is a great thing. What I actually said was, well, in my own life, some of the best things that have ever happened to me is when I failed. And so there would be a number of examples of this, but a recent one is putting together the book proposal for The Transfigured Life, which you well know because you saw me putting untold hours into writing this book over a two-year period of time, which I thought would be the first book that would come out after my 20-year hiatus of writing books, <laughs> uh, because and that's a whole other story sometime to, to share on Soul Talks as to why I had published three books before I was 30 years old and was on the path of my dream of becoming a best-selling Christian author. And the Lord led me uh, not to pursue that. And so I said, okay, God, okay, I won't, I won't do that. Uh, it was very difficult for me to do, of course, well, in the fast forward 20 years later, and uh, the Lord had actually some years earlier released me to write again. And so finally, I feel like this is the book, you know, The Transfigured Life. And I'm going to share with people the story of sort of how all that I learned from Dallas Willard and you and I together and how we brought that into our ministry to pastors and leaders and soul shepherding and so forth. And just wrote and rewrote that three different rewrites to really find the message and keep it short and sweet and hone it and all that. And so then I found a, a literary agent and, and he was very high on and helping me. And now here we are six months later and no publisher, nobody wants it. <laughs> and I laugh now because it's crazy, but it's like, it's been like really painful mm-hmm. and it's been very yeah. sad and I felt discouraged and I felt like a failure. And yet through that, as I've shared with you and you've given me lots of empathy, we've prayed together and we, we've shared it with friends of ours who've prayed with us. And so just seeking the Lord in that, God has done some great and wonderful redemptive things in that failure for me. What are some of those? Well, one thing that's really tangible is he led me to say, okay, well, why don't I go back to the guide that I wrote for two groups of pastors I was helping six years ago and on the easy yoke, and why don't I rewrite that and turn that into a, a real book rather than something I just kind of threw together? So I did that. And so I put about three months into that project and just really made it something I could be really proud of. It was a a start to finish, formatted really well, really thought through, and we're calling it Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. And I just, I felt released in doing that. 
and so thankful to the Lord uh, how he had redirected me. And in the process of the initial waves of discouragement and feeling inadequate and feeling like I had failed with the original book proposal, uh, really before I got to the place of saying, okay, well, I think this is what the Lord has for me for my writing for right now, and we'll just keep the transfigured life on hold. As that came together, I realized that what a blessing it is when even though I've stuck my neck out and tried something and put my all into it, you know, two years after 20 years of waiting and a lifetime dream that goes back to being a kid, and then I feel like I just fall on my face, right? But you met me there, friends met me, and the Lord in his mm. compassion was meeting me through that. Mm. And it was just reminding me of what's really important in life is my relationships and, and the grace of God and being a part of the kingdom of God as an apprentice of Jesus. And then what opened up for me is, you know, the people that I talk to, the, the pastors that I care for, the leaders and others, they all struggle with feeling inadequate and like they're not enough, they're, they're not pleasing people, they're not succeeding enough, they're comparing their size of, of their church to somebody else. They're comparing their books to other people's books and their yes. marriage to other people's marriages and their house to other people's house. We do this, right? Right. And so I began realizing, you know, this is my sacred wound. Mm. feeling like I can never get over the hump. I can never do enough. I'm supposed to be this hero child. But when I can accept that I don't have to be a hero, I'm loved unconditionally. And the joy of life is being in these relationships and then overflowing with that mm. to the people around me and, and lifting a hand up. Yes. I, I talked to a pastor today, just today, who feels like such a failure because of a, a problem he's having uh, in his family. And he's such a good father. He's so mm. caring. But as he was sharing that, I was saying, I know that feeling. He, do, he wouldn't think that I do, but I live with that too. Not constantly, but it, it comes back to me in these times of trial and temptation. And that becomes an opportunity to go deeper with the Lord in his ways of grace and, and for my identity to be reformed by the heavenly potter. So I wouldn't be who I am today in terms of our marriage, our yes. family, my friendships, my relationship with the Lord without failure. Well, and I know this is true because I've had a front row seat to <laughs> watch you and to journey this with you and to pray with you through it and listen to you grieve and share and process your emotions, which you've given me the privilege of being an ambassador of Christ to you in those times. And I've also seen the way that God has used that to increase your compassion and empathy and love for others. And you're being able to really walk with them through their own failures and shattered dreams and disappointments. One of the things that's come to me over the years of caring for pastors and others who are Christ ambassadors to people, especially as I listen to pastors who have a, what they feel like is a smaller church or, you know, they're comparing themselves to the, the big megachurch pastors. And of course, the truth is that even the, the megachurch pastors do that because there's always, because I talk with them too, and there's always somebody who has more influence or seems more successful than you are or who has their life more together than you do. And, and we just find ourselves making these comparisons. But as I listen to pastors share with me and I listen to their lives and how they care for people and 
how they help and how they serve and how they submit themselves to the Lord and devote themselves to his service and craft their, their sermons each week and do that faithfully. I, I love for the Lord and for their people. And I just think these are heroes. Yes. These, these are champions for Christ. And it's just so beautiful to get up close to the, to the heart of a pastor and how, how compassionate they are and how, how much they give and how, how much they sacrifice for the Lord and for, and for his kingdom. But what I've come to see time and again is that most pastors don't see themselves that way. No, they don't. And our culture doesn't generally honor pastors that way anymore. We don't hold pastors in high esteem. A a survey that was done in America a few years ago, ranking different professions, had at the very bottom was the used car salesman. Just above that was pastor. Mm. That's how low people in our world are tending to view pastors. So a lot of pastors, they're, they're embarrassed to tell people what they do because it's, it's awkward and people don't know how to relate to that anymore. We have tend to have a negative view of someone who is a born-again, committed Christian, as though they're going to be like a, a fundamentalist or an intolerant person or something. And so we don't see very often the, the pastor's sermon on the front page of the newspaper anymore. But 50, 60 years ago, that's how it was. The pastor was the, probably the most respected person in the city and the one that we turned to for wisdom. So I think that that growing appreciation that I've had for uh, the real work of soul shepherding and serving the Lord that pastors are doing, this is heroic. And I have a greater compassion for the pressures they feel, the expectations they labor under, and the feelings of inadequacy because of the times that I have tried for something and fallen or struggled and fallen into just brokenness and, and really needed comfort. I'm so grateful that God does use our failures. And as I'm reflecting on my life and my failures and when I've seen God use those for good, I would say that as I look at my failures, I would say those are the times that I have really learned all the more to venture on God and his power and his grace as being sufficient for me because my failure proves that I need him. I'm desperate for him. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I can forget that, but it's not safe for me to forget that. It's not good for me to forget that because that is a reality. That's a good reality. That in itself is a grace for me to live aware of my dependency on Christ and my need for his power. Mm-hmm. Well, we just have a few minutes left. It would be helpful, I think, for people to hear um, more about this venturing on God. I'm sure certainly interested to hear what you would say about that. Uh, and how you're learning to do that, even in, you're sort of talking to yourself right now, I think, as we're doing this podcast, right? Right. Yes, we're, we're venturing on God. I feel like God has given us encouragement through people that know us well, who've asked us, mm-hmm. you know, please start a podcast. You know, I, I want to hear that. I, we need to hear what God's taught you and given you to teach and to share, and you guys have something special in your relationship, and when you invite us into it, you know, it really helps us, and mm-hmm. there's more people that could benefit from that, and and so we've been encouraged by that, but I, on the inside, I feel like, well, who would want to spend their free time listening to me? I don't well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You're, you. you're very loving to me with that. So it, it's a step of faith for me. It's a venture. It's like, okay, God, I've heard you these last few years, people saying this, and then God provides this person to mentor us, you know, and get us set up. 
practically, you know, hands us what we need to actually do this. Yeah, our friend Larry Winger, the CEO of Provision Ministries Group, came to serve us and, and literally yes. ordered all of this podcast equipment <laughs> yeah. for us and yeah. installed it for us and taught us the system to do it. Yeah, and our board is all for it and, you know, gives us the money for it and through God, of course, and our donors. But so I've seen God, you know, give me courage and call me out to come and venture on him. And so now it's my opportunity to say, okay, God, what will you do if I trust you? If I don't hold back in fear and fear of failure and self-doubt and I take heart and courage and I keep my eyes on you and I say, okay, I'm going to offer you what I have and I'm going to abandon the results to you. So God, what will you do if I step out in faith yes. and do what you seem to be calling me to do, how will the hand of the Lord move here? That's right. That's right. And the more I do that, I venture on the Lord with that attitude, sure enough, the more I see his hand does move in ways that you know are clearly beyond me. He gives us power that we didn't know we had, and maybe we didn't have it. It was his, but he, That's right. he gave it to us. Yes. Praise yeah. the Lord. Yeah. So sometimes it's good to fail. Because it puts us in the presence of the Lord, showing us how desperate we are, and we reach up our hand, and we find that the hand of grace has already been reaching down to us, and he works redemptively to bring healing into our lives. He softens our hearts and helps us to have more compassion for the people around us. And there is no greater joy in life than being connected to our crucified and risen Savior and his ministry to the people around us. Thank you, Lord. Well, friends, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We invite you to visit our website, soulshepherding.org, where you will find over 700 free resources, including these Soul Talks. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. Until next time, let's continue our conversation with Christ.